Hello everyone, welcome along to the October edition of the Lutentown Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, I've got the whole squad with me uh, this month, James Cunliffe, the Lutonian journalist, uh, Tony Murray, chairman of the Trust, and town fan Dan Barrett-Davis. Chaps, I'm not going to ask you how you are, not after um, the weekend, but uh, I'm sure you're well apart from that. What weekend? Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> uh, what you're on about, we won. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, we will dissect what happened at the weekend in this first part of the podcast. We'll also look back at happier times uh, since our last main podcast, and then we'll do two player focuses as always in this first part. The first one will be on the goalkeeper, Ethan Horvath, and then we'll discuss uh, one of the popular players, Jordan Clark. And then in the second part of the podcast, I will get Tony's views on the two centre-halves at Manchester City in our Blast from the Past uh, segment. We'll have a discussion about uh, the EFL blackout and the news that it might be lifted uh, for the next TV deal, uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And then we'll look at the rest of the matches between now and the World Cup next month. So in this first part of the podcast then, gents... Well, Halloween's Monday night, isn't it? But we all had a nightmare that we were not going to remember for a long time on Sunday, James. Um, fortunately for you, you wasn't at that game, but you was watching on was watching. from afar. And uh, what could go wrong did go wrong. Yeah, it was a it was an awful day. Um, you know, as soon as you concede in the third minute, it's not going to look good considering... You know, Luton haven't come back to get something from a game when they've conceded on the road for, at that point, it was a year and a few days. So that's a record that needs to change, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, you don't... We were all very buoyant about this game, weren't we, in the preview podcast. And that was because we rightly should have been, because of all the forms with Luton, they'd won, you know, gone seven games unbeaten, won two on the spin against promotion ca- candidates. And uh, Watford had lost three out of four. And were still embedding their, you know, 100 millionth manager of the year or whatever it is. So quite right, rightly, um, we were all quite positive about it. We all predicted a victory. And then you get your um, you get your fingers burnt, don't you? And it's, it's humble pie all around. And, you know, sick, the sickness bug has obviously played its part. Um, but But maybe in light of that, Maybe the game plan wasn't right uh, because of because of sickness. You, you don't don't try and go toe to toe with them. Um, you know, just sit back and make it difficult for them. Because if you make it difficult for twenty thirty minutes in the first half, considering the form they've been on and and how all their fans were bricking it before the game, they'll get right on on the, the team's back, and then maybe it's a different game. But you know, it, everything went wrong in that regard, and. I'm not even sure you can blame sickness on the on the first goal, which is poor, poor defending. Um, and then you at least eke it out until for, until half time at one nil, and then regroup. But you're dead at that point when you've been so abjectly bad. A goal on stroke of half time is is the death now, isn't it? And then we all know what happened after that. So awful day, red card. Um, you know, you wait so long for it, and then. You wish it didn't happen, didn't you? You absolutely do. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's in the, the annoying thing, really, Tony, isn't it? The two things that James picked up on there. Um, first and foremost, there was a 20-minute game. You get to 20 minutes and the game completely changes. But also, they weren't 
any good because if they were any good they'd have been a hell of a lot more than one nil up going into injury time in the first half anyway given how we played we've got absolute we've had our pants pulled down and spanked by an absolute team who yeah they're okay when they want to play but they just they're not that good no no I I well to be fair I, I, I don't think anybody saw that result coming nobody saw that result coming and there's two things I came away from at the end of that, apart from feeling physically sick at the end of it. It definitely proved to me that God doesn't exist, but, <laughs> but Satan does. He wears yellow, black and red. Um, it, it, I, I just, you know, I, I, I looked at it at, at, at that game and I thought, they had acres of space in midfield, okay, um, and you, you you could see they had two midfield players that were ex Premier League players, but and that you know like match commentators and whatever saying they were brilliant and they controlled it, but they had nobody putting a challenge in on them. Nobody went near them, and I and I looked at that that their their plan and I thought, God Almighty, they looked absolute shit at the back. They they really did. They they had nothing, but we we just couldn't. I mean, and we we had three, four, five good chances, but we just couldn't take advantage of it. And and you knew right from the off that something was amiss. The, the, the things weren't quite right. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, you you know there's going to be off performances and things happen, and you would have accepted it against any other. Well, against. I wouldn't have done against QPR, to be honest with you. But um, I I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I I, I honestly couldn't believe it, what was going going on, what I was watching. And leading up to it and everything else, with the banter between the two sets of fans, they were... um, giving it all that and oh, we don't care about you you're nothing on our, our radar it's just another game to us well you looked at it at the end of it you'd have thought Watford had won the World Cup on their own you know <laughs> yeah. the way there was and it, what made it worse is you know the people I was with we, we had to walk through them after the game and the heel loads of loot and get battered everywhere they go and Thought, do you know what? I've got. I, I, I just want to tell them to fuck off the lot of them because you're all pussies and everything else. But you know, do you know what? I'm well outnumbered here and everything else. But I console myself with thoughts of you know, at least I don't have to wear those shit colours or you know, uh, sign players that are colour blind. Otherwise, you can't get them to sign for you. Um, uh, you know, I, I was really scratching my head, and and you know, yeah, we, we we've we've heard uh, about the sickness bug in 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 the camp, and fa- you know, fair enough because I, 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 I I'm glad we we didn't do this podcast Sunday night. I think I've, I said to you before we started. I just if we had done it, yeah, it would have been blue. <laughs> but um, when you think about it. You think, you know, they'd have been preparing for this game all week. They'd have done set training routines and everything else. And on Sunday morning of the game, that would have gone totally out the window. So when you think of it that way, you think, actually, it's not a surprise. But as a supporter on the day in there, it, it, it was just, you know, unacceptable. 
I mean, I didn't like the fact that there were certain elements of our, our support booing them at the end of the game because, I mean, we've had this conversation, Kev, anyway, you know, the fact that what this team and this squad have done for us over the last 10 years, getting us to this level, has been absolutely magnificent. I would never boo them, but at the same time, I didn't clap them. No, exactly. I've no problem, like, booing the final whistle, booing that performance, absolutely fine. But there were people in the crowd, and I posted this on Twitter, when the players came over and were clearly apologising. Yeah. They weren't coming over to take any adulation or anything like that. They all came over to a man with their hands up, so we're sorry, we're sorry. Then they got booed, and I'm sorry, that's wrong. Yeah, I, I, to- I totally agree with yeah. you. The on, 18 on, months on that, that these know. players have given us, yes, they've had a bad day, and they've picked the worst possible day to have a bad day. But the 18 months ride that they've put us on, they don't deserve to be booed at the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, did, I, I come away from the game very disappointed, upset, but I console myself with the, f- the fact that I looked around me on the way back to car thinking, at least I don't dress like that. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. So, I mean, Dan, the head of sickness bug is, is, is clearly a factor, isn't it? You wouldn't have Amari Bell playing left centre off and Dan Potts. Um, edging towards the toilet in the changing rooms um, throughout the the game. Although, to be fair to Dan, I feel pretty sick every time I go there as well, so we weren't alone. No. <laughs> but why do you not, you know, you just got to adjust your tactics, haven't you? you just got to sit there, park the bus, board the shit out of them, and if they beat us, they beat us from 30 yards. Yeah, and obviously we didn't know what the situation was regarding the sick bug till after, um, a couple of hours after. And I thought, oh yeah, okay, whatever. But then, obviously, that was my cynical side coming out. But... When I saw that we had Freeman Clark and um, Campbell in the same midfield, I was a bit like, come on, th- th- we've tried this and it didn't work. We had a slow start to the season because of that. And as soon as we dropped Freeman, fr- well, Freeman took the four for that. And then we put a man in front of the f- protecting the back three, which served us so well last year when whoever was doing it, whether it be Pelly, Lansbury, Gabe Osho, we just play better with, with more protected. And against in games like that, like you, you boys have already said, you've got to frustrate that out of the home fans because they'll get on them, and then that plays into our advantage. When I when I played football, you look to do whatever that winds the opposition up the most and rattle them because if they're arguing amongst themselves, you're already at an advantage. And I just question what Nathan was trying to do there, especially when you got Gabe Osho who sat on the bench who can do the holding role, and he came on anyway for Sonny. But obviously we didn't know how limited we were. And then you've got development players that were that travelled with the squad but weren't named on the bench. So I'll just question that a little bit. But it was it was the wrong way to set up and hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I said before the game, you know, don't don't do that. Don't play a ten. Play hold. Sort yourself, sort the back out first and then look to counter or whatever. Just frustrate them. Did you spend a bit of time, Dan, looking around the crowd to find where the sniper was? <laughs> I was looking around the home end for humans and I found none. <laughs> you could but certainly I mean, tell who the Premier League down, team, down ex-Premier League so team easily. was, yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, they did, yeah. That, that was another thing. I mean, I don't want to be, come across as a bit of Luton fan that's just been battered 4-0. Oh, by, I do. What, <laughs> but it was painstakingly obvious to anybody watching that 
they were just going out and being shot every time there was contact. One player was holding his, holding his leg when he'd been tackled around his ankles. Yeah, and, and I'm, I can't. Even then I swear he chipped over the football. And for the life of me, I can't understand how one of the three weren't booked for the dives in the first half. You know? so, the, you book one of them, you stop the, the next two from happening, don't you? It, it was, and, and, and then Bradley gets booked for what I thought was a perfectly fair tackle. It was a tackle he's done in months and he got booked <laughs> for it. So that's going to discourage him from doing that again. I mean, fair play. There was no <laughs> argument with the red card except for... No. I think he got booked, Tony, because... The, he kept the bloke on the pitch if he'd put him in the stands then he'd have been yeah crack on I think that's what he got booked the for ref, the ref didn't give much to Carter Morris all day either as well he looked very no, frustrated didn't he? I, I yeah. thought the ref was a definite homer he, he was a definite I homer. think he had a few quid on home win yeah and he's never refed us before and I hope he never refs us again because he was fucking useless yeah well I mean he got I wouldn't say <clears throat> rate him that highly he got sacked. <laughs> <laughs> well, he initially got sacked from refereeing in this country, didn't he? Because of well, the tweet he put out about disabled people. He got sent to Norway. Well, did he? And now we've had. Now we've got him back again. Yeah, he was Premier League refereeing. What did um, you say about this? I can't remember the. Yeah, I can't remember the exact thing, so I'm not going to quote it. But it was obviously a derogatory thing, and he got sacked from the FA. He ended up having to resurrect his career in Norway, and then having done that, he reapplied to come back here. And now he's a football league referee, having been a Premier League and international referee in the past. How he got to that level based on that I'm well, not overly sure well, if he shows Maybe up ref- he's actually a disabled referee he could well be I mean uh, sir, does sir? it make him right to make disabled I don't know no it doesn't, doesn't it's, it does. um, yeah no exactly so, disabled um, brain I think that was the thing um, James Louis Watson was on the bench is the is the game too big for him or should you just play him and if you've brought him you must trust him to play whatever the game <laughs> I said, well, you know, from what Nathan Jones has said about him, that he's going to be a good player, but he needs a bit extra and he's brought up to speed, really. We didn't have that many games for Derby, let's be honest. No, that's true. Let me rephrase that question. If we had played him, what did we lose by playing him? It is a massive game to come into that. So young and so inexperienced. And I'd be, you know, You'd be very surprised if the track record that Jones has got that he just throws him into that sort of game. I don't think it's the time for it. The question then, I suppose, is, well, is it the time because of all the illnesses and, and stuff like that? Then, you know, potentially. But I think, you know, you had Gabe Osher. Dan's already said Gabe Osher was on the bench. He's the man to, that should have been in there. Um, you know, he obviously had a stinker when he came on in the second half. But um, th- that's his role. Um, that's That's what he's really good at. And that's what probably should have gone to by all accounts Lansbury was going to play and then he woke up and he was ill ditto Potts yeah, yeah which is a big blow and, and yeah and Potts no. as well um, so if it's not going to be Lansbury then then surely Osho because then the formation and the game plan would be virtually similar um, rather than putting Freeman on who's you know he's he has he's had some good moments, but I don't think you can put those three in a three together. I don't think that that works. It hasn't it hasn't really worked so far, and so so that that says to me that they changed it when they knew Lansbury was ill to go that way. But it seems that it would have been simpler to just go like for like. Which was my which was why I asked about Watson. I mean, yeah, the game might be too big, but hey, he might just have loved it and you'll never know unless you try will you it's that yeah. I reckon if they'd have put 11 new team players out there we'd have got a better, better performance yeah I mean the, 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 they weren't all ill 
the overriding thing was just the lack of aggression and intensity and okay the sickness is to do with that and yes Nathan's right Osho was absolutely stupid because of our defensive problems to do what he did but at least there was some emotion there at least it showed that not that he cared because I don't believe that none of them cared but at least it showed that he was frustrated and he boiled it over and yeah, okay, he shouldn't have got sent off and he was stupid for doing so. I'm not but even sure it's a red card, to be honest. I, I mean, not bothered looking at the game back, but looking I back when I sat there at the time, I could see <laughs> that red mist was falling because he thought he yeah. was fouled, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as soon as he didn't get the foul, you knew he was flying in. And But you must yeah. admit, how many of you thought when he hit him before the red card came out, you thought, good, you got the bastard. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'd rather he put him in the stands rather than just the side of the pitch. But, but the commentators so, were saying he went over the ball and I'm, I don't think I saw an angle or a replay that suggested that he did. No, it was it was, it was a sort of front and tackle where he flew into him and... I guess in modern football that's not allowed, but I'm not sure he went over the ball. I can only assume the fact that we've not appealed it, given that we ain't got a defender for love nor money, that they thought that it was a red card when they've seen it back. Because you well, would, wouldn't you? They've tried to appeal things that are a bit more, um, bit, bit more of a grey area, and they've never got anything, so they're probably just not bothering. Yeah, which is, but even then, you know, we're left with two, two fit, competent centre backs and one potentially not quite as competent these days, and that's. Um, not a place to be in for three days. Uh, yeah, bad day at the office doesn't even do that justice, unfortunately. Uh, horror show at uh, the wrong time, but there are positives from the overall picture since we last did a podcast, and we're about to go through some of those. The first one being Tony Holloway, uh, Friday night on the TV, uh, lit up by an absolute scorcher. And I don't mean those stupid fireball things in that poxy light show before <laughs> the game either. <laughs> yeah. Um, what a goal by Lansbrook. Absolutely superb technique. Um, what was better, the goal or the celebration? Well, I don't know, both were great. I, I've, I just... Uh, the thing is, I you could see all the whole players looking at him when he was doing that, thinking, what the, the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> but everyone to do with Luton knew exactly what yeah. was going yeah. on. It, it, but it was a great performance, a typical Luton away performance. Um, you know, we never looked in any trouble against Hull. Uh, they didn't threaten us at all. And it was just a, a matter of when we were going to score and, you know, how many we were going to get realistically. Fantastic performance, three great points, and uh, what a Luton away performance should be. Yeah, very similar to last season, Dan, that once we got ahead, you <clears> never really felt we were going to relinquish it, and the second goal was just the, the icing on the cake, particularly the, the, the manner of the goal. But, yeah. I mean, often last season when we went 1-0 up, that was enough anyway, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I, th- I think it, it goes back to what I said about playing a man in front of the three. You know, you, you protect your defence, you look after it, and then you build from there. And uh, uh, that was a perfect example of what that does for us, especially away from home. I think it's paramount. You, you can either sort of sort of sacrifice uh, having two front men and just have the one instead um, and do that. But, you know, we, we're getting away with it, playing two up front. And when you've got people like Morris and Adebayo, I've said it before, uh, they're going to cause people problems and it was only a matter of time before Adebayo was going to get on the score sheet and he was so close had it not come off the whole defender from opening his account but it took it and as then it, that was his account opened and he, he he hasn't really looked back and that's another big positive to take from that 
And then Lansbury's goal, what a f- <laughs> I was just sat in a pub watching that. I was, I was working in a pub that night and I was about, about to go on before the game and uh, as soon as that went in, I thought, oh, I'm just going to be smiling all night now. This is, this is, this is perfect. That's sort of goal where- if you play football yourself, yeah. you dream of scoring. You do, yeah, you do. And I mean, you want it top corner ideally, but he hit it so sweetly. And it caught, caught it so well. I think that's better than top corner because the way it, yeah. it never left about half a foot off the ground no. to stay at that level, I think it's and some the fact technique. He hit it with the outside of his boot as well. Yeah. yeah. To it be honest, a, if I'm playing football, I'm quite happy if it stays inside the football ground rather yeah. than yeah, <laughs> anywhere near the goal, to, to be fair to you. I, th- I think on another day, that could have shot right over the stadium and, yeah, and, that, out yeah. and into someone's car. That could have been so, a rugby conversion any day. It, it was the way he had to readjust his body yeah. to, to take it as well. Mm-hmm. Well, most people yeah, at this level take a touch, don't they? And uh, But not not Henry. Yeah. I mean, it, it was what Nathan said afterwards as well. He said, yeah, he's a part-time guy and a part-time footballer and a full-time whopper. And having met him properly yesterday I guarantee yeah Yeah, well, he, he does come across as a character he's a lad isn't he yeah. we, uh, we met him at the presentation evening didn't we when he sat well, down that's and had a chat with I, us that, that's what I was thinking when uh, everybody was going mad about the celebration that you got the scoop on that uh, lawnmower thing from Shazy didn't you yeah if you go uh, back to that um, James Shay exclusive yeah, yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. oh yeah it's yeah, um, yeah absolutely fantastic quick Vox Pop Mendez Gomez Reese Burke Henry Lansbury which is the best for what? Oh, goals. Oh, what this season? Oh. That's got to be Lansbury for the technique. Yeah, I was gonna but, do, yeah, but I think so. Burks is high up there because he's a defender. Yeah, and he ran through the middle of the middle of the team there to do that. But um, and <laughs> Mendes is a pretty good striker. So it just came out of nowhere as well, didn't it? It's though? just that it's just the the result and it the tin pot competition there. we're only a third of the way into the season and there's three bangers for the goal of the uh, yeah. season award and he got loaned I, I, for his um, <laughs> yeah yeah. I thanks think, for scoring a banger now off your pop, off your pop. <laughs> I, I think if you're going goal of the season contender you're going to give it to Henry because it's a great strike and then the celebration as well yeah. perhaps we should do our own goal of the month competition well, on these because they're, they're so frequent now aren't they we might have to modify the goal of the season qualifying thought, because we, we usually only do one a month and two in September have to be included I thought with Burke's goal Oh, he looked the most surprised person in the ground. Oh, that. I wasn't surprised. I've told him for ages that he, could, that he was going to put one in the top corner. And finally, uh, he listened. Uh, Dan said about Elijah um, opening his account for the season uh, there, James. Uh, he finally did in the next game at home to Huddersfield. But even then, he had to wait to get his first one credited to him, didn't he? Because that, that initially went down as an own goal before uh, rightly being given to him. But him and Morris that night showed exactly why Nathan's persisting with them too as a front pairing. Yeah, and, and Morris said it as well to you, didn't he, um, on the podcast that he, he thinks they're going to be quite lethal and that um, defenders are not going to like playing against them. It, it's, it's proved that way as well. That there was some fantastic forward play and some not-so-fantastic defending. At, at well, we scored plays. five goals in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. we drew it 3-3. Free free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was one of those, wasn't it, really? Um, not necessarily as horror show as Watford, but... You should be winning that game. If you score three goals at home, you should be winning that game and uh, to constantly get pegged back and to be the architect of your own downfall was pretty disappointing because they have been relatively solid at set plays and fairly lethal at the other end as well. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't see that one coming because they were very down on the luck. And but that's the way things were sort of going at home at that point, wasn't it? It wasn't it, you weren't getting the rub of the green, you weren't getting the luck you deserve. And, 
Um, you know, Pelly's been out most of the season to come back and just stick one in the net for them. Is it's a brilliant header. It's just yeah. unfortunately the radar was completely cockeyed. And I mean, they were both brilliant headers, weren't they? Well, they, were, yeah, they were, Morris's actually. header was a, it was a great header if it was in the right net, but um, uh, yeah, and I think the penalty's soft. I don't think it's soft. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's or at least if that's a penalty, there was one in the second half where the fella blocked uh, a shot with his hands in front of his face. Yeah. Nothing doing. It didn't look any different to me apart from. It, it's, yeah, well, I mean, it, that's the, that's exactly it, isn't it? It's yeah. so frustrating that you don't get a penny for that, and uh, Fancyan is, is saving the ball with both hands, not getting anything. So right. We just named Ethan Horvath and uh, Harry Oysted in goal next week, and we're all right, aren't we? Well, we <laughs> have two keepers. <laughs> Absolutely, no one else can. Absolutely, apart from Coventry, you're right. Um, the following game was uh, at West Brom, Tony, was clearly one of those that we've gone balls out defending our box in training and we've forgotten about the attacking thing and we defended our box really well that afternoon and there was nothing doing in the attacking bit. But my God, I've been in some toxic grounds in my time. But when Steve Bruce made that substitution, Jesus, I thought he just murdered someone. It was unbelievable the way they turned on him. When, when you, you looked at it and uh, you saw... Um, it was going on. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, well, I well, couldn't. You, you know, you've just done us a favour, mate. You know, <laughs> uh, he took their two best players off. He did, yeah. And then once he'd done that, that was it. The then. reaction, Jesus. Oh, you know, and, and I thought there was only going to be one. Well, if we'd got the winner, I dread to think what would have happened. He wouldn't have got out, would he? It was just unbelievable. If Elijah... Sucked before the end of the game. Yeah, if Elijah and Welly'd have gone and offered his resignation, I think, wouldn't he? I've got to get out of here somehow. I quit. The only thing you think of in games like that where it's looking like that, if if Nathan would be just a little bit braver with his team selection, we could could walk away with three points there. Yeah, or... You know, before the game, we'd have happily taken nil-nil. So, but the game plan away is to keep it tight, isn't it? And then yeah. nick a yeah. nick a goal when it comes a, a chance, and you've got more chance now with Morris being so on fire. Um, so, I think it's yeah. one of them, though, isn't it? At the time when you're there, you're like, oh, that's two points dropped because they're in the bottom three. But when we look back at this at the end of the season, they're going to be in the top half, and that ain't actually going to be a bad point because Corbrand's going to turn them around, isn't he? So, I um, think so. You know, they've appointed someone who's who's pretty good at rescuing acts, given what he what he transformed uh, Huddersfield into. So, um, I, th- I think it'll be a, uh, it's just um, uh, annoying that Potts's header was cleared off the line, wasn't it? Not least because I sat there with a betting slip of forty to one on him to score first as well. <laughs> but um, double whammy uh, on that occasion. Uh, after that, then um, Dan, I mean, I think we all predicted that QPR was going to be a defeat because it always is a defeat, isn't yeah. it? But um, well, it wasn't, was it? It was no. one of the best looting performances I can remember for quite some time, actually. It was aggressive. It was front-footed. It was intense. It was everything that Luton Town are under Nathan Jones. I was just going to say, it's proper Luton, wasn't it? Um, everyone to a man battled hard. And I think QPR probably showed up after last year, probably thinking, look, just keep it tight, nick a goal. And we just went, no, you don't. We're having this one today. And, you know, we got off to a great start when Elijah scored again. Um, and it was it was a bit nitty gritty for a while, wasn't it? And in the last sort of 15 minutes, Jones makes a substitution. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? Why, mm, I was why are you making that. this substitution? <laughs> um, and then they all got involved in the goals. Freeman Cornick and Jerome coming off. Uh, Morris Adebayo and Lansbury. And I'm thinking, oh, shouldn't we be 
we normally protect the lead and then we fuck it up and that's what's supposed to happen especially when they, they scored with an own goal I'm thinking oh god here we go yeah well it later got credited to Jerome and rightly so because he, I mean I've never seen pace like it from him mm. even when oh, he they, could they, run both him and Cornet were brilliant when they come on yeah Cornet caused them all sorts of trouble without sort of troubling the goal and I think that's probably more his strong point rather than relying on him for a late, for a late winner or whatever or a goal Um but Jerome, the, the run, I mean, to win the ball, nick it around the defender, one-on-one, get a touch in. And it fortunately bounces off the defender, goalkeeper. They both bang into each other and Jerome's yeah. there. there. There you go. That's, that's Boun- game it one. bounced off Dunn, which is even more poetic. Yeah. Karma, yeah. Yeah. It, it was considering Whoever the way it was who put that tweet out from the club, whichever one of them and, and in that quickly, media department it was. Quickly deleted it. Absolutely no, fantastic. Meant, Don't I, worry about the deleting it. There was more than enough screenshots <laughs> of that one to, uh, that was absolutely brilliant. It was job done, wasn't it? It was absolutely yeah, fan, so I remember Absolutely fantastic. I was meant to ask when fantastic. I was at the club yesterday who's in charge of the media tweets because that was just super It was bad. absolutely <laughs> brilliant and it, it was it was good that it wasn't until the following day that Cameron Jerome quite rightly got credited with that goal because it meant that that tweet meant something for about 24 hours. Uh, QPR manager, fair play to him because you get an awful lot of bollocks spoken in this league after um, matches but he was straight into the point and he's clearly yeah. got some sort of integrity about him because he turned down Wolves as well. So uh, fair play to him. I was really impressed with him. You know, um, you get you get a whole spectrum of um, comments from different managers when you're in the press conferences afterwards. From the downright terrible and um, you know depressing, like Gary Bowyer when he was at Blackburn at uh, Blackpool, uh, to to Mick Beal, who was really enlightening. He's sort of the sort of bloke you could sit there and listen to um, talk about football for you know forever and a day. Um, and he was honest and he was candid and he he gave the credit to Luton and uh, I don't know if it came across on the video where it got cut off but one of the national journalists from the Mirror he asked a very strange question he, he said uh, to be honest Mick I, I expected more from your boys and, there was, and everyone sort of went oh no here we go because you ask that of some managers and you get both barrels and he went yep me too mate <laughs> so they so played to him they've got a lot of time for him and the fact that he's no, he's he's been given his first managerial job and at Queen's Park Range, but he's doing quite well. And then Wolves come in, you turn it down. That's a lot of integrity, really. I think um, they, they've got a good Not manager. Much there. As I hate to say, I think he'll yeah he'll do a good job there. I mean, you you look, it's had an, an immediate impact at Villa. Mm, left yeah, yeah, yeah. Gerard out and Gerard lent on him at Villa and at Rangers and. Yeah, he's clearly a well-respected coach, and like you say, none of us around this table, particularly like QPR. But you know, when you when you're a football fan and you don't and your team don't get no credit, and you hear a manager giving your team credit, don't really apart yeah. from obviously the one down the road, it don't really matter who it is. Yeah. You got to uh, you got to say respect when uh, when it's due, really, aren't you? And yeah, um, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And that, and that that was um, certainly. I tell you what, though, from that game, it's a good job we ain't played at home since, because I'm pretty sure that crossbar still rattling from uh, <laughs> from that shot that shot from. Um, Clark sort of was it sort of Clark whichever way around his name is um, he didn't half give it a good spank didn't he that crossbar but fair play Um, (laughs) history repeated itself Tony we went to Norwich and we won 1-0 this time though we went there in the same division and actually ended up overtaking them with that 1-0 win as opposed to obviously nine years ago when there was half the world between us and them Uh, but very similar performance left uh, left them with nothing hit them on the counter attack 
uh, Morris's goal, absolutely lovely. And, and, um, and it was a real touch of class from Morris as well, not celebrating <laughs> it. I thought. I have to I, say, I, that is my absolute pet hate footballers not celebrating goals. But I knew that um, Carlton Morris had gone through a bad time and Norwich supported him. So on this occasion, uh, fair play to the guy. Yeah, it's a lot of respect. He shows humility, doesn't it? Yeah, he did, he did his job and he, it, it was a good performance. But. It, it it was a class performance by Luton. You, you look the way they dug in and they restricted Norwich to just basically uh, chances from long range. Um, and thankfully, Sergeant and Pookie didn't have their shooting boots on. Um, you know, there was a couple of chances Pookie got and under normal circumstances, he, he would have buried them, but well wide. Yeah, they were the um, rare occasions that Tommy Lockyer let him out of his pocket, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. and... and uh, but no, great. We sucked them in and uh, just hit them at the, at the right time. And again, it was it was a class piece of opportunity by uh, Carlton Morris, and he's looking well worth the money that was paid for him. Tony said um, that we hit Norwich at the right time, but Norwich didn't hit Tom Lockyer at the right time, did they? Because. Um, <laughs> Right in front of the referee, nice left hook to the old chops, oh, no. and uh, off your pop, sunshine. Wasn't even that hard a hit either. <laughs> yeah, what but, is content? Yeah. I am informed that's the dark by the man. Him, that he's very good. I, at. I am informed by the man himself that he had a bloody nose. So where take that? What you take that? Well, while you're talking about potential shit there, I've got to mention it wasn't Danny Hilton brilliant on Saturday. Said it when he when he stalked across the pitch. <laughs> did Stephen Lidger bent down to sort out his shoelace and sort it off? And you, or, you did, I don't know if you saw the video. I don't know what I was more pleased at that Danny got sent off in that incident, or that Steve Evans got sent off later in the uh, in that match. But that is that was pure Danny. You're right. <laughs> I did see what they, it seemed soft what he got sent off for. Mm. Um, the guy wound him up, which is weird because it's always the show on the other foot. It's always Danny winding them up, and there was no little picker involved either. But yeah, <laughs> against them. Brilliant. Well, I mean, I assume that Tom Lockyer had done all sorts of showers reads, but all he, I mean, he might be telling me the odd fib or two, but all he said to me before we recorded the podcast last week was he was marking him very closely. That's all he, and then, <laughs> and then, and then and that's all he'd let on. And then, and then he said, and next thing I know, he's walloped me to the floor. So, I mean, he what? He didn't really you wallop to you. Laugh but at the manager, though. I was just a push. Yeah. And, yeah, and, then, right. and then I informed Tom that they've appealed it. And he almost fell off his chair. He couldn't believe that they've appealed it. And yeah. obviously they failed with the appeal because... Well, I mean, Lockyer hit the deck when Elias chair at him last season. Yeah, well, he didn't get the red card this time. He's a tidy This time he got the red card. He was probably um, absolutely delighted with that. So, uh, yeah, no fair play to him. Um, Amari Bell, I saw a couple of tweets like criticising him in that game. But when you think he's up against arguably or supposedly and certainly in terms of rating anyway, the best right back in this league who was absolutely non-event in that game... You know, you've got to say, you've got to put your hands up and say fair play, Amari, because I'm a, I would have yeah. thought a major part of a game plan of stopping Norwich is to stop Max Ahrens. And you could have forgotten that Max Ahrens was on the pitch apart from yeah. the odd shout of Luton Reject when he did get the ball, which was a bit <laughs> stupid, yeah, bit stupid well, in yeah. itself. But fair play yeah. to Amari there because he kept him in well under check. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really understand what we, what the um, idea is behind giving Amari Bell stick. I mean, I've played wing back. I think I played wing back once when I played, and I never want to do it again because you have to defend and attack. Well, at you the have same to be, time, yeah, yeah, you have to be so disciplined <laughs> as well, don't you? Because if you're out, can't multitask. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're out of position, you're done, aren't you? And yeah, yeah, you, you've got to be. You've, 
you've got to sort of, you've got to mind read, like second guess yourself, let alone what the opposition's going to do. And someone as good as Max Aarons is, you know, and there's a lot of good wing backs in that, in this league. Um, I think Mari's been pretty, pretty consistent, I'd say. And I, I just think Luton fans have to have a scapegoat. Pelly last year, it's Pelly whenever Pelly plays. And it's it was Elijah for a little while when I was last on here. It was Elijah. And it's got to be Amari Bell at the moment. So I, I just think people are looking for problems that aren't there. And I try not to take too much notice because I think a lot, a lot of football fans talk bullshit anyway, but myself included. Um, oh, wow. We'll get rid of you from the yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> talk myself out of the job. <laughs> but, but no, I, I don't think he does a lot wrong. He's probably not the most fluent fluid person like footballer going forwards. He doesn't like have the Ryan Giggs silky skills or, or anything like that. And he's not like a Stuart Pearce type defender. I think he, he does a good job and he's a decent fullback and I've, I've no issues with him. Yeah, no, I haven't either. Not at all. Uh, the Norwich game, James was also the uh, debut of Alfie Doughty. Um, left wing back, we were told he was. Well, he certainly didn't appear to be a left wing back that night. He played as a, you have to give all midfielders these days a number, don't you? Mm. They're either a four, six or an eight. And he was an eight on that occasion. But there was one in the second half. He picked the ball up midway in our half and he pressed the afterburners and he fucking flew down that right hand side. He went, must've gone past about four of them, cut the ball into Cornick, should have had penalty uh, for the, for a handball from the flick from Cornick. But he, on that evidence, he looked a really good, Prospect, um, Doughty. Yeah, um, no, well, well, nobody did, did they? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah, no. I mean, the only time I'd seen Doughty before that was at Hitchin, and he did he did likewise. But you're like, well, it's Hitchin, though, isn't it? So you never really know. But you know, I've seen him play before. Obviously, he's a very good player, and um, he was bought to come in and and start, and he, he would have played pretty much every game if he'd been fit. I'd reckon because uh, at the beginning of the season, Jones was talking about moving Amari Bell inside. And um, Doughty being that left wing back, um, but why not if he's got if he's got the pace to frighten people? Um, why not play him there? Um, well, if you play in our midfield, you have to get about a pitch, don't you? And he could certainly do that. But what I liked about him was when he when we countered, he knew exactly how to do it, the right pace to do it, whether to put the afterburners on or just you know check it up and wait for support. And it looked like he'd been in that team. Two years. Mm. Well, he's sat on the sidelines long enough watching it, and well, he knows what he's done. Well, Maybe true. he's just taking some tips. But I mean, you have got yeah. pace on your side, then you can do a lot of things. Can't we you? have got some serious pace in the team now, haven't we? Mm. Which Good makes options. which makes going after Watford all the crazier, yeah, doesn't it? Bizarre. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's how the month finished. I mean, obviously, no one wanted the month to finish how it did on Sunday. But I think overall, take that out of the equation. We've gone from sort of lower half, just above the relegation zone, to eighth or ninth in the table. I think if we win on Saturday, we go fourth or could go fourth, depending on other results. Ain't that bad, other than that result, is it? Well, no, that that no, run was right. the best run since '96 in the second tier. Mm. That's pretty good going. I mean, a lot of that time we've not been in say, the second yeah. tier, but you know, you've got to, if you're looking for reasons to think that progression is still on the cards which I do think it is, you know, you've got, you've got to take the Watford hope. You've got to hope Watford's a blip, take it out of the equation. It usually is. And isn't if it? they come back, you know, usually they come back after a defeat and they'll be, you know, 
very hungry to come back after that one. Well, you couldn't move on Twitter on Wednesday morning for people telling other people that Luton were automatic promotion candidates. And I'm not yeah, sure yeah. one afternoon's changed that. As bad an afternoon and as horrible as it was against that team, I don't think it's changed. I think we are automatic promotion candidates. And I know the players will play it down. But at the same time, I know secretly they I've, think I've, they are. Yeah, and they've got they finish do above them at the end of the season. But well, it's consistency as well, isn't it? And um, there's, at the minute, just on the evidence that we've got, Luton are more consistent than Watford, so you would imagine so. They've got the players, they've got you know, two very good midfield players um, to do better, but um, you'd hope that they're as disjointed as we expect they are throughout the rest of the season, whereas that probably really is, that isn't Luton, is it? It's a, a it unified front. It would be interesting front. to see who he brings in in the, in the winter. Yeah, I mean, the league table doesn't look too bad, so that's all we can focus on rather than dwell on um, Sunday. Uh, let's go on to our player focuses then, Tony, and it's unfortunate, really, that we're doing this one uh, now and not last week when we did the podcast, because um, Ethan Horvath, I mean, the goalkeeper situation has been a, a problem throughout 2022, hasn't it? We've used more of them than Downing Street have used Prime Ministers um, this year, and uh, that's and that, yeah, exactly, that, that, that's saying something. Um, but we look like we found the right tenant between the sticks, albeit he, you know, he made a cock up on Sunday and he'll hold his hands up and he'll know that um, he messed up. But either side of that, he's starting to look a very good goalkeeper. Yeah, he is. I mean, all goalkeepers have got mistakes in them. They all make mistakes, even the greatest. I actually think he passed it to him because he thought he'd miss. <laughs> so you're talking about, you know, complacency. Yeah, well, you know, he just thought, you're shit, mate. You'll play for them. You'll miss anyway, so I'll have a goal kick. There is that. But um, overall, good. He's a good shot stopper. And, uh, you know, you can see that they have got confidence in him. The, the only thing, the negative side I, I thought about him was uh, he did seem a bit slow to come off his line. I think initially yeah, that was the initially, case. Initially, yeah. um, maybe that was because he was just getting used to the team and... Wasn't sure about things, and 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 his distribution is okay. Okay, sometimes his kicking can be a bit wayward, but um, he he does look to get the ball out fairly quickly. And uh, as I said, his distribution is good. His handling's good, and it's nice to see a keeper coming out and taking crosses now as well. Um, and his positioning's good, and he he made about three decent slaves this weekend. And you know, yeah, it. it but most games you find. Um, particular away games, he doesn't seem to have too much to do because the the the, the three the back three and the win backs are, are doing such a good job at keeping them out. So um, I think it's only going to improve. I think the, the deal we've got, isn't it, with it, it's a loan with a view to uh, a, a permanent purchase. So um, I'd be quite happy if we did sign him permanently. You know, he, he's um, he's only going to get better, and you know, he's in contention for the World Cup as well. The USA squad. So, um, no, I find I, I, I like him. I do like him. Yeah, I mean, if he went back to Notts Forest, he'd get lost in the five million new signings they've made in the summer anyway, <laughs> wouldn't he? So, um, you know, Dan, I mean, he's, he stands, I mean, obviously he's a, he's a big lad and he stands out. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was unfortunate on Sunday, but as I say, either side of that, he, apart from Jed Steer, who obviously uh, got his Luton career cut short right when he was starting to look really, really good. He's probably the the best we've had between the sticks. It, uh, the ones that have come in, obviously, Shazy deserves a lot of credit for um, his time here. But Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I still rate Shay very highly as well. And, you know, the, the injury couldn't have happened at a worse time for us at the time as well. And Harry Ice did very, very reliable backup as well from what I've seen as well. And Horvath, I think he's, he's he, like you mentioned, custodian for the for the spot. But it's it, it's Horvath's to lose, essentially. It's his spot to lose, I think. But I wasn't initially impressed to start with, but then I couldn't really pick anything in terms of shot stopping and things like that because we weren't getting shot at too many times. And I think that's down to, whether that's down to him organising the defence or how organised the defence are, Tony said about like the three centre-offs and the wing-bats being so good at the job. And I wonder if that is part partly down to our studies, uh, sorry, to Horvath as well. Um, but yeah, like, like I say, he's, apart from Saturday, I mean, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching when he when he made that pass where he assisted the third goal. I just thought, what, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, it was imperfect to be fair it, to him. It, it was it just was a perfect, wrong bloody person. It was a perfect pass, and you know, quite often I did I did think to myself, do these know we're we're playing in white and not, you know, because <laughs> we there was a lot of misplaced passes. But I, I can't uh, like if, if this was recorded on Sunday, I'd have proper laid into Horvath I think but I've had time to think about it and have a good sleep and you know and you've had a good sleep I've had a good sleep yeah (laughs) I I mean I've got a two year old that wakes me up at three o'clock every night for you've done well I've been waking up from nightmares of each goal going through my head ever since (laughs) you have to blank it out have have kids Kevin blank it out for you Short passing out from the back, and if you look, yeah. there's a lot of sides that do that, and a lot of keepers have been caught out. Well, they they have, and like that we we season. did it when we came up. If, if cast your mind back to uh, Middlesbrough at home, um, I wasn't able to attend because of work, but I distinctly remember this League One. We won that at a counter by playing football, getting the ball on the deck. Goal kicks were shot long, flicked on. We're on the attack. We come in, and I thought it was Graham Jones coming in. You know, we start playing the ball from the back and we get caught out. Tony Cliff passes it to their player and he's in and Sluga lets it slip under his legs and we're fucked. And I thought, you know, Barcelona can do this. Bayern can do this. We can't. And it's still going on. A lot of teams are still trying it and still trying to think. And yeah, we're right. Practice makes perfect and stuff, but it doesn't always work. I think you've got to mix it up a little bit and occasionally just oof the fucking thing up the field and rely on your old number nine. We've got Adebayo and Morris who are pretty strong and can hold their own up top. Mm. Jerome is one of the best at holding the ball I've seen. So do that. Work, play to your strengths. Don't fuck about with it at the back. And then they them pricks don't get a third goal. And we've got we, at that point, I felt we were in with a chance of getting something out of it. But doing that's fucked it. Mm. Um, but I'm not going to hold that against Horvath. I still think he is probably... For me, he's on a par with Shay, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens when Shay's back and what the situation is. Yeah, I hope not too many people hold that goal against him. Uh, what are your thoughts? No, I don't hold it against him. I think probably because it was such a shit show, the whole thing that the fact that it wasn't really that crucial. It wasn't. That there were so yeah, many mean, bad things that happened. It's going to lessen the impact of it. Yeah, you'd rather it happen then than in a if playoff semi final at nil nil. If it was a one, yeah, if it was a one nil game and that's the goal, then you, he gets full pelters, doesn't he? But I think it's for me. I think it's it's masked the one thing that he doesn't seem that confident about, which is the ball at his feet. And to date, he hasn't been until the Watford game. He hadn't been really punished. There were no consequences for it, but. He, and it, and it may just be like his tall frame and long gangly legs and just his kicking style. It could just be that. And I'm just clutching at straws, but it, 
because of that, it always makes me get a little bit nervous when he's got the ball at his feet. And yeah, like, like Dan says, for that reason, I think you should probably just launch it out the pitch. And it, if you're going to scrutinise that particular goal and the mistake, then it's, it's obviously the pass is bad, but you've got to have a bit more awareness about what's happening around you because you've got Keenan Davis bearing down and you Pedro's just at the other side. They're all trying to, um, nick in and force the mistake. So then you've got to have a bit more now about you to realise that just get rid and that, and that yeah, I mean, situation you could also say occur. that to the defender, couldn't you? I mean, don't put him in that situation in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, um, you know, Elijah, how many times he nearly catch out a goalkeeper because they're all doing that. So it's just a thing now. And maybe it's credit to attackers all over the place that are not giving goalkeepers all the time in the world to do what they want with it. So it could be, could be a bit of that, but you know, other than that, he made three saves in the first half and it could have been, it could have been a massive score at that point because there was no midfield. Pedro was, Bursting through Davis, Ismail Assar, all, all capitalising on it. And if they had um, better shooting boots, they might have done better. But also, you know, three saves to keep them out, very good saves to keep them out. Um, it's just a shame that that goal cap happened on the half time and, and really ruined it. So I like everything about that game. I think you have to take it as it as the exception. But other than that, He's been really impressive, I think. Um, you know, five clean sheets. And they were starting to come more regularly after that supposed slow start to the season. I mean, not supposed it was, wasn't it? Um, and, and, that, and that was looking good for Luton. Um, you know, for, for a Luton goalkeeper to keep clean sheets, it means that, it, that the Luton defence is doing a decent job as well. And so that's probably helping and that it was a fairly uh, settled few defenders in front of him when Potts was available, when Burke was available. And then we remember the last podcast was sort of debating, you know, what is the best three to go along with that? I think it's, I think we all settled on, we'd, we'd want Potts and Lockyer and Burke in there. And so uh, when those three are available, I think uh, you're, you're looking at again at a goalkeeper who probably won't have a lot to do. No, he won't. And you've taken a clean sheet away from him. He's got six clean sheets, not five. Sorry. Um, so I'll re- I'll address that for him. Just yeah, he you had know. seven against QPR off the ball and lumped off him as well. Put off of his head. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that was um, that was unfortunate. Um, we did like an own goal at that moment as, as well, as, uh, didn't we? Uh, let's move on further up the pitch. Then Tony, one of the most impressive players this season. And I don't know if it's if he's impressive this season or if he's in, just permanently impressive actually is Jordan Clark but what I like about him is this season he's played that holding midfield role an awful lot more and whilst he's not a Lansbury or an Osho or a Pelly, he still gets on with the job and does it but then when he's in his normal position he's mighty effective he's just bloody good isn't he oh, yeah, <laughs> he, he is he, he's a right little pocket dynamo isn't he and um, he's probably the, the nearest we've had to Mini, um, since Mini left us, and uh, uh, he looks he, he looks the part. I mean, considering he came and he was as surprised as anybody that uh, Nathan wanted him to play in central midfield. You know, I can't do that. I can play wing back. I can play wing, but central midfield, and he's taken to it like a duck to water. 
you know, he, he for a little guy, he gets stuck in, he puts his foot in, and, you, you know, you can see he, he's, he's ball control. He's got a, a fair bit of skill about him, and uh, he's got an eye for a shooting opportunity as well. So uh, I think he's only going to get better there, and I'm well impressed with him. I mean, he's a right winger from Accrington, isn't he? But he's mm. playing in the heart of our midfield, and he's really shining in there. It Him is. and Campbell. If you come oh. off, if you got them two on your opposition list, you're like, for fuck's sake, I'm going to pull my hamstring for this game because they're yeah. just going to yeah. do me in. I mean, at the start, you'd sort of look at them, you think, paramidgets in midfield, we're winning the aerial battles, aren't we? But they're not. People aren't. You know, mm. Campbell, I mean, you said it last time, I swear there's two Alan Campbells on the pitch and on the drive down here, I thought, well, there must be two Clarks as well because he gets everywhere as well and I think they complement each other perfectly. Um but with Clark, you know, like you said, he's changed roles. Um, he hasn't played championship football much before coming here as well. And he, like like Tony said, Dr. Water. Um, but he's not afraid to put himself about. I remember Coventry last year distinctly where one of their players had the ball. And he literally came from about 10 yards away, nipped around the front of him, took it off of him and went off and started an attack. He, do, he um, does look a bit better when he's got Lansbury there with him as well. I, I think, think so. He, I think he gives him more security freedom. as well, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's another thing about holding your midfield. Like it allows the other two in the middle there to charge forward and link the play up and sort of get on with their job, and Lansbury can just sort of look after the bit there. So, um, but yeah, with Clark, you know, he's not afraid to put himself about. The same as Campbell, and plays with passion. Um, and he, he's very consistent I mean from the second he first came here I think he came as a sort of inside forward if you like slash winger and but I was impressed with him from the start and he's, the role he's playing been asked to do now he's just brilliant doesn't complain just gets on with it and yeah it's just can only get better can only get better like so many of this squad humble down to earth hard working but just so bloody good. The DNA in there, isn't there? Yeah, I mean that's that. That is exactly it. He's um, every one of them's a grafter, really, and he's right up there. Um, the fact that he's you have to be fairly up and down to be a winger, anyway. I mean, up and down the pitch, not up and down in consistency. <laughs> but um, he's turned that into being a box to box midfielder now, and he can do everything, and he will um, jump into tackles. He's not soft, um, you know. Even if you just look at the end of the playoff semi-final where you've got thousands of Huddersfield fans giving him hell and he's walking straight through them to get to the Luton fans just to say thanks. Uh, he, he's a hard fella and he, he plays the game in the right way, uh, but he's also got a little bit of skill about him and he can uh, delight with a, a pass or he's got a little bit of pace in the first couple of yards to nip past some players uh, the amount of times I've seen big central midfielders come to Kenworth Road in particular and think, oh, we've, we're going to have our day here. And then they just see this little fella run past them with the ball. I'm thinking like Sander Berger, Sheffield United. Um, you know, he's wanted by Premier League players and Premier League teams, sorry. And he, he Jordan Clark does that all the time. And he's, he's, what, what, an, uh, what a piece of recruitment that is for nothing. Uh, from Accrington his stats were fantastic before he came anyway um, as a winger he was up there with some of the best uh, assisters in Europe um, in the season before he came so uh, the fact that he probably played for Accrington meant that more people weren't looking at him but Luton have done their homework right and got a fabulous player there because um, 
you know, as a as a winger, he was, he was pretty good. I agree with Dan. I liked him from the moment he came, but stick him in the centre of park, and I think he's got to be one of the first names on the team sheet for me. Yeah, and as we saw against Huddersfield, he's got goals in him as well, and a lovely bit of skill in uh, in that goal as well. Mm. Uh, I remember when we had him on the podcast last season, and uh, such a great guy to chat to. Gives you uh, everything that you know that you ask from a from an interviewee, and uh, no, 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 no frills, but at the same time, no sort of media trained nonsense. It gives you how it is, doesn't he? And uh, yeah. uh, to be fair, a lot of players at, at this club do, and. Um, yeah, really, really good signing, and you know, like you say, um, him and Campbell. I mean, you know, if we, if we end up in the Premier League, them two are going to take us there an awful lot uh, of the way, aren't they? So, um, yeah, I mean, go on. Final thoughts with you, Tone. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, confirm the rumours that are true. I actually did want Wickham to win a game at the weekend. <laughs> yeah. There should yeah. be a Wickham. Sack, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> had to slip that in. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, three counties couldn't get enough of two derbies at the weekend, could they? But um, there you go. They unfortunately, playing. they won last night, didn't they? The team yeah, that they were playing. But um, you know, momentary blip. Yeah, they, these things. These things happen. Um, I never thought Wickham was ever give me some consolation on the Sunday. <laughs> yeah, quite. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you throw me right off there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure um, you know Clark's going to. He's just going to improve and improve and improve. And alongside Campbell, I mean, if you come to Kenilworth thinking you're going to have an easy day of it in that central midfield, think again because you certainly are not. Uh, that's it for the end of this first part of the podcast. Uh, stay tuned to the second part. As I say, we'll look back at that 1983 season. We'll discuss the EFL blackout and we'll look ahead to the matches up to the World Cup. But for this first part of the podcast, thanks for listening.